This is Debbie, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to live their best life and become location independent. This week, I talked to my dear friend Jennifer Chen, who is the co founder of With Dip. Having a digital design background, Jennifer knew she wanted to create a product that would be beneficial to small and medium-sized companies. This led her and her partners to start with Dip, a company that helps brands tell stories through authentic and relevant user-generated content. After a long journey and having to change their original idea from an app for travel leisure purposes to becoming a visual automation platform, Jennifer realized that feedback and embracing change can help her grow her company. With the change, Jennifer and her partners were able to secure half a million dollars worth of funding and have recently launched with Dip and are now working with a variety of companies as well as content creators all over the world. On this episode, Jen shares when to use the gender and race issue when it comes to business and how to pivot your business to kickstart growth. I really hope you enjoy this interview with Jen. She is such a great friend of mine and has a lot of great tips to tell you, especially if you want to start your own startup company. So make sure you take some notes because it's going to be a great one. Hey everyone. Hi Jen. Thank you for coming all the way to the Bronx to see me and for doing this interview. I really appreciate it. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and why you live an offbeat life? I'm sure I am the first guest from your channel that gets to do this interview at your apartment. (laughs) Debbie fed me. She cooked lunch. It was amazing. But anyway, why I live an offbeat life? Because I am a founder of a startup that is super, super early stage. (laughs) Live in New York City and, you know, coming from a digital design background, being a UX and user experience and user interface designer for many years, I finally decided that I wanted to do something in an aspect that I'm familiar with, but in in a way that is more approachable for small and medium-sized businesses. So we started, my partner and I, we started DIP, (laughs) D-I-P-P. And we are a visual marketing platform tailored to small and medium-sized businesses' digital marketing and advertising needs. I think there's not enough of these services around. And if they do, they're not of quality service. We want to bring what we usually do for the big brands when they have a really high marketing budget and make that type of quality work for everyone. Why did you choose the name DIP? I'm very curious about that. D-I-P-P. <laughs> well, because DIP with one P was taken as a domain. <laughs> no, honestly, it's, it's, it's available. But we have to buy it. And when we first started the business, and even now, we don't have the budget to spend thousands of dollars to buy a domain. So that's another tip that I can give to anyone out there trying to start something. 
before you even invest too much emotion or money into making a logo or thinking your about your business name, check the domain first. For us, dip because it's all about taking a dip. And taking a dip, what that means to us is about giving something a try. You don't know if you're going to like or hate something until you actually test it out yourself. So that's what we're all about. Trying something that you don't know, trying a different method that you're not used to, and yeah, taking a dip. And because of the domain name issue, we added an extra P. <laughs> and you also did a little dip on that one as well. <laughs> so technically, that's also your motto in life and not just because of what you're doing with your business. You're taking a dip, you're taking a chance, and you started this company and this business that you're doing right now. When you first want to start something and you have a goal and a dream, what is the first step that you usually take in order to achieve them? Because of my visual design background, and this is a bad thing, bad habit that I think now I've learned to correct it. I always take a visual approach to start something. Designing a logo or designing the user interface of what our website will look like or curating our social media posts, those things are what I love doing. That's where I usually start instead of focusing on the real business issues. When you're starting a business, there are a lot of nuances, whether it be finance or business plan, financial model or business model, meaning how you're going to make money and accounting or legal, all of those things. There's so many things that I'm not familiar with. I wasn't familiar with. So I just took the more pleasant route. You know, I started thinking that, okay, we can make this logo. We can choose this color. And let me tell you, if I were to do this all over again, I know better now to do the harder things first and not start out with something that I enjoyed the most. Not that it, they're not important. They're definitely important. But take dip. Dip's initial focus being a mobile application back in October 2016. I had the entire mobile application, every single page and experience completely designed. And that is like which typeface, which color, how many pixels should the logo be placed, where, all of that. I had it all designed. It took me a while, a couple of months. And then when it was turned into development and when the guys were working on it we had to make changes sometimes it's like well budget couldn't do this or the more you think about it the feature is no longer what well, is not as applicable or etc so ideas always change and you should really just instead of focusing on one thing and going all the way you really should just do a little bit of everything and try to get your idea out and test it as much as possible I know that you're always busy and we talked about this before how there's always something, especially when you're a startup, there's always something that you have to do. Can you run us through what your average day looks like? I have this bad habit of always being on my phone and I get a lot of complaints from my husband for it. He set a rule that I'm not allowed to touch my phone until I've had breakfast. Because this would be 
my usual day. I wake up at around six o'clock in the morning, and my phone is right next to me. I would check my email right away, and these emails they come from different places, and they are good news and bad news. So that would dictate my morning if it's a good news or a bad news. And so I read my email. I get up. I. Always try to do a workout. I don't always. Most of them, I don't get to. <laughs> and then the next thing is, I get to my computer, and I like to start working right away. Another unhealthy thing you really shouldn't do. And then I don't, I don't handle breakfast. My husband cooks breakfast, so I eat breakfast, and I really just want to get ready and get out of the door as soon as possible. Then I get to the office, and we have a co-working space. Um, down in Chelsea, and that's where I usually am most of the time. I have a planner. I will plan out my day by the hour because I find that when you limit a certain amount of time to a task, it makes you more focused on that task because you have to finish it within a certain time. I learned that from a productivity YouTube video somewhere, but um, <laughs> I, I think I think it works. It never, I never get to finish the task within the time that I'm given, but at least I am very focused. So I write it out. Usually, I like to do work, work in the morning. This past week, we were doing testing for new features that we were rolling out to the site. I was logging some bug tickets and then doing some adjustments myself, because as a startup founder, even though you're not a coder, even though I was, I never worked as a developer, I still code because the more I can do, the cheaper the development will cost. <laughs> so I do some of that and talk to our lead engineer to figure out the bigger issues, and then. Do a lot of paperwork. Honestly, running a business a lot of times is about numbers. I'm doing my financial projection. They ask for five years, so I'm sitting here thinking about what may happen in 2022, <laughs>、um, how many people we will hire, etc. And so all of these things, I try to get a lot of things done before one o'clock. And then for the meetings that come in. I will always schedule them sometime between three to five, and then at six o'clock is when I get home. Because I don't take care of breakfast, I have to take care of dinner. Cooking dinner is my responsibility, so I will cook dinner. We will always sit down to have dinner. I think that's really important. Trying to learn about not always be at work, not always thinking about work, and not always talking about work. I mindfully remind myself that when my husband comes home, I don't talk about work. I do not talk about work when he comes in, or have dinner, or tea time. And then at around about eight thirty p.m., we start working again. I usually will put in another two to three hours of work, but no, it's not a very healthy schedule. But you know. <laughs> As an entrepreneur, you have to get your hands dirty in a lot of different things, and one of the things that you talked about is coding. What other skills were you forced to learn, or skills that you wanted to learn, that you were able to to do because 
of being an entrepreneur and because you started this company? The more hands-on you are with the different aspects of your business, it doesn't just save the company money. It helps you learn because if they call me out there for with this company, I'm the founder and CEO. And CEO is not an easy title. There is a lot that comes with that. There are CEO schools out there to train people to become CEOs. You really have to know every aspect of your business. And there is no excuse in, well, I didn't go to school for that or I didn't learn this. It, it really doesn't matter. I'm lucky in that aspect that I actually enjoy coding. It's, it's not something that I have to do often, but I do like the front-end development and being a visual coder is what they say. You do something and it shows up on your browser. There's something very satisfying in that process. The next is numbers. I was a designer. I didn't have to do numbers. But now I'm very familiar with numbers, whether it be making a balance sheet that I actually didn't know what that was until I called up my accountant and be like, how do I do this? <laughs> They're asking for it. And I learned how to do it. Or financial model. So financial model is something that shows how you make money, where you're going to spend it. And you have to learn, you have to do a lot of Excel work, a lot of formulas, not complicated formulas, but you know, and learn how to do it for five years. Because when people are investing in your business, they're not investing in what it is now. They want to invest in what you will become in the future. Legal. Legal is important because we do a lot of hiring and sometimes with contractors, they come and go. Sales. You always have to do cold email introduction, cold call introduction. Those are hard because they're not expecting to hear from you. And all of a sudden you have to talk to somebody about something for the very first time. Being a sales is something that, you know, I had to learn. So just like every aspect of something, the more familiar you are with different things, the more you can build a team and train others to do it. Because at the end of the day, nobody is going to be as familiar and as passionate about the business as you are. It's also very interesting how you didn't go to school for any of these things and you learned this because of the experience that you're getting from starting a company from zero to, to now. What has been the biggest setback that you've encountered throughout this whole journey and how do you usually handle them? Well, validating our product was a very big part of what was a very big struggle in our business because we started out not knowing how to do a one-sentence pitch, what they call an elevator pitch. It was something that we couldn't say it clearly to others because maybe in our head it wasn't clear either. It was always like, oh, our business is this. And then you see absolutely no reaction from the person you're talking to. And then we had to emphasize it by adding, so it's like this, and then you do this, and by the time you know it, it's well into five minutes, let alone an elevator pitch. Getting our idea really honed in and understand what it is that we do best and what it is that the market needs was a big learning curve for us. 
But I think it's a good thing because the more you talk to people, the more you see how people react to your idea, the more you can improve your idea. It definitely wasn't easy because we were very frustrated and we were always questioning ourselves, like, why is it that people just don't understand? Was it the way we were we were describing it or the good thing would be it's just a little too new but I think I don't think that's the case um, but it took a long time for us and we were I mean we're definitely glad that we've gotten through gone through that whole process and now be able to land at where we are today I'm sure you've done a lot of pitching for your company what has been the worst advice you have ever received? Another bad quality that I have is that I always take other people's suggestions and advice very seriously. And in the early earlier days during this venture, I would get extremely affected emotionally because of other people's feedback. It's a matter of one sentence that can make or break my day. For my team, that was not a good thing. For my co-founder who worked closely with me, definitely was a bad thing because all of a sudden I would just be in a bad mood. And was the advice really valid? Was it a good advice or a bad advice? For me, I, because I never took any advice as a bad advice, I couldn't, I couldn't appreciate it when it was a good advice. I remember there was a guy that I talked to out of the co-working space at one of the networking events. And it was when when the idea was still more of consumer-facing travel mobile application. At that time, I pitched it and said, people can shop for different services, can book hotels and airlines or a ride simply by looking at photos. That's at one point what the business was about. And his reaction was, how many people do you know that that would book a hotel before they book a flight? At that point, I was like, oh, you are, you are right. That means something is wrong in how we're thinking about this. We shouldn't be approaching hotels before we, we even approach airlines. But we couldn't approach airlines because they are, they're much harder. That made me really depressed. I went home and it, I acted like the world was collapsing. And... Then I talked to my business partner and he goes, who says you always have to buy an air ticket before you go on a vacation? Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh? Yeah. Because I've been so emotionally invested in my business that any feedback could break me. And that was what was hindering me and, and, and my growth or the growth of the company. Because how much it would affect me emotionally, taking away my perspective from things. So having good business partners and, and having people that can just pull you out so that you can actually forget about those unimportant advice. Let's forget whether they're good or bad. They're just unnecessary. That's pretty incredible that you have someone like that that will take you out of the depression because that's one of the things when you're starting a business, it's an up and down. One day you're really high and another day you're solo. (laughs) Now I know you had changed your idea. 
Why did you decide to do that? The change, honestly, is very organic. It wasn't a sudden pivot like other people may think or may hear, because as a, as an early stage startup. We are always out there talking to people, getting feedback, validating our idea, and through talking to people, we will realize, we will see the value that they see in us, in this product, and in return, we see the value that we bring as a business. It started out as a travel app for leisure purpose, and. It now is a visual marketing content automation platform. So it sounds like a complete 180, I know, but honestly, the one thing that connects both things is our emphasis on user-generated content. How were you able to finance this chosen business that you have from the start, and how do you continue to do that today? When the idea first started, it was actually towards. The end of 2015, and it was just an idea that I was working on with some other friends. At that time, I had a full-time job. Full-time job is nice; it's got a steady salary, benefits, healthcare, all of that. So I was able to do a lot of things as a personal hobby. Until a point when I realized that oh, this is bigger than a hobby. I started to freelance. So instead of being A hundred percent occupied with a nine-to-five job, I had a more flexible schedule by working with different clients and on different projects. And on top of that, for the business, we had to invest some of our own money in. So quitting a job or not work was not an option for us. Now that the business is has been a hundred percent full time for us. We have to dig a little bit into our savings. So now it's all about saving money. We live in New York City, so transportation is a big thing. We stop buying metro cars. <laughs> we we bike everywhere, so we can save we can save money. Always eat at home. I think cooking at home is not does not just save money. It actually is healthier. We do see our friends a little less. <laughs> But it makes us work a work a little harder. So I think it's keeping a balance. We I I run I have this app, this spending app on my phone. So I give myself five hundred dollars. That's after rent, five hundred dollars every month, and it works as a subtracting system. So five hundred is the max, and when it's gone, it's gone. So I'm always challenging myself about how much I can not spend within that five hundred dollars. You know, so it's like a little game that I have between me and myself. <laughs> That's a good game. What's that app? Is it Mint? It is eye spending. Yeah. So you really just allocate the amount of money, and then you just add your expenses to it. It doesn't actively remind you like what Mint would do, which is why. You know, maybe Mint is better, but it's just a little too advanced for me. I can't deal with push notifications and all of those things. Mint takes away the numbers for you mm. because it's not an active act. You don't remember.、Mm. That's why you actually have to log it. Manual things are better sometimes. 
Jen, what advice would you give to someone who's really struggling to find what they want to do in their life or they know what they want to do, but they're really afraid to take that first step? You really just have to go for it. And what I mean by that is when you don't know what it is that you want to do, if you're just sitting there or you're just talking to people, you're never going to find out what it is that you like to do. Because talking to other people, you only find out what they like to do. Their stories are not yours. So the only way for you to find out if you like or do not like something is to try it. Not everybody is an entrepreneur, just like not everybody has to start their own business. But you can always take it step by step and maybe work with somebody on an aspect that you think you may be interested. And then three months later, you may realize that that's not, that's not for you. You, know, you will actually build up an even stronger interest that will lead you to maybe taking a class or maybe finding jobs in, in a similar industry. I think doing something actively will always point you to the next step. It's not always about finding that answer right away, but you have to be actively taking steps so that you can eventually get to where you want to be. Let's fast forward 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life. (laughs) What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? It doesn't matter a person's background, like whether you are wealthy or not wealthy. At least for me, it's like, I didn't have to starve. I didn't come from eating ramen noodle or working out of my garage or something. But I want to I want people to remember me as that one person that was always working hard. When people hear my story or look at the product that we created um, as a team, it was a matter of how much work we put into it, not because, oh, they had a good job, they had a lot of savings, or they had good families, they had wealthy families supporting them. Because I think when you're actually in it, being an entrepreneur, working hard is one of the most important things that we can do for ourselves and our business. And it really shows everything, every effort that you put into your work will eventually show in one form or another. There's a lot of talk right now, especially in the entertainment industry, how women are undervalued and we definitely are and especially minorities. And so are we. We're both Asian and, you know, in the entertainment industry, it's there's not many of us there. How does that equal to business? Do you feel the same way for women in business? Do you feel like we're still undervalued in that sense? I think everything is relative. When people actually pull up the stats between how many male entrepreneurs there are versus how many female entrepreneurs there are, then yes, of course, there are always more men. But then we also have to, I mean, at least I would like to look at it as how many female entrepreneurs we have today versus how many we had 20 or 50 years ago. I still think that while there is a lot of work to be done to promote female entrepreneurs and a lot of there's a lot of issues to be resolved between equality in general I consider myself very lucky to be 
alive at this time where, as a woman starting a business, is possible. Right now is the time that if you really want to do something, you can do it. It's not about the gender. It's not about the race. Any of that. If you can show what it is that you are best at and actually bring value, I think we're at a time where, when there is value, people can appreciate it. Last year, I went to a talk. It was a topic on female entrepreneur. One of the questions asked at that at that panel was, "Why is it that female entrepreneurs always have to start a business specifically for women, whereas male entrepreneurs could can always start a business that's just for everyone? Anybody can have a different take on the answer to this question, but at least for me, it's that question has always served as a reminder for me." To think about, to really pay attention to when to use the gender or race issue as a topic, because it's not always because I'm a woman or I'm Asian. It can be something else. If those are the the topic that I always go to, I guess the solution that I always go to, then what is the drive for me to improve? You know, it's always. Easier to blame it on something or someone, but at the end of the day, I think the thing that I would like to always remember to do is to how to work on myself and improve myself. Jen, let's get to some fun questions now. Some people like myself nerd out on interviewing inspiring people like you and hiking and as you can see, vintage cameras. What about you? What do you nerd out on? Even with my busy work schedule, if you say let's go to a Zumba class, I would go. There are not that many things that would make me take a break from my work or seeing my friends. But Zumba <laughs> or any kind of dance class, I, I I was just telling Debbie that I'm the worst when it comes to any form of physical activity. So I suck at any form of sports, even dodgeball. Ball, but I love dance classes. What is the most unusual job you've ever had, and what was the best thing that you learned from it? There was one summer I worked at a factory in China. I was just helping a family friend out. They own a wig factory, and they were really busy at that time to prepare for the Halloween shipment. I volunteer to help, but when we got there. I was just in in the warehouse working with everyone else and hanging out, and it was just a fun experience because all the teenage kids were together, chatting. I didn't know them; they didn't know me. It was refreshing for me in a sense that I got to experience a, a a type of lifestyle that I wasn't, I didn't have a previous experience in, and that meaning. Talking to people my age, I get to learn about what it is they were learning in high school, which was different from what I was learning, and understand a little bit of their lifestyle. Because I think at that time it was, I think there was a lot of talk on Chinese sweatshop and all of those things. And as a teenager, I wasn't extremely familiar with 
that topic either. But it was refreshing to know that, oh, it was just a summer job for them. There is no abuse. Their dad dropped them off at work um, because they're on summer vacation and they get paid and it goes towards their own pocket money. And so it was fun. If you were given a one-minute ad slot in the Super Bowl with the potential to reach millions of people, what would you fill it with? Go to withdip.com and submit your photo because we reward everybody's social media content with pay collaborations. So everybody should definitely sign up and submit your photo. And if it's the big brands who are watching Super Bowl, then definitely come work with us for a more affordable and performance-driven digital advertising solution. What are you working on today that's really exciting to you? It's exciting for us, but it may not be exciting for everyone because it, it, it sounds super geeky. So this past week, we just put together a 28-page business plan. And it was a pain to do for a few days, we work from 4 a.m. to 2 a.m. The, the next day, but we put it together. And yet last night, we were reviewing it again, and it still looked pretty good. So that was exciting because it takes some time for an idea to sort of marinate and working on a business plan when someone is asking you about your expansion plan, hiring plan, product development plan, how much money do you expect to make versus how much money you expect to spend in five years time? When do you expect to break even? Like those questions were so scary to us at one point. And then through working really hard and discussing, we were able to put together a 28-page document. Now, I don't know if anybody, any investors that we work with are actually going to read that, but it was very exciting for us to see that we were actually able to do that. If our listeners want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Definitely email me. My email is on our website. Our website is W-I-T-H, that's with dip, D-I-P, P.com. At the bottom, there is contact us. And when you submit an email, you can definitely, um, I will be one of the people that see it. And most of the time, it's if it's a question regarding your, your own business that you want to start, or you have some other questions about where you're at as far as business or you actually have an interest in working with us, whatever it is, I try to make myself available to, to help anyone out because I know during our experience of starting a business, we had lots of help. That was one of the best things that helped us grow. So now we also try to help out. On Instagram, the handle is the same. It's with dip. Follow us, message me, and I'll always reply. Thanks, Jen. And for content creators out there, you guys have a really great platform and you just launched. So definitely check out the website. Thank you so much, Jen, for coming to my apartment and for talking to me today. You had such incredible and valuable tips. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you for the delicious lunch. And 
this experience. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Jennifer. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview with Jennifer where she shares how to pitch and get funding for your startup. Love a good audiobook as much as I do? Of course you do. Well, you're in luck because I have teamed up with audible.com to give you a 30-day trial for free. Make sure to visit offbeatbook.com. Again, that's offbeatbook.com to get that incredible trial 